0: And what I suggest is in the harmony with where we've been, which is the first foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of the body. And the Buddha gives a very um, beautiful teaching on how to be mindful of the body in all activity. And then he describes the different activities to be aware of the body when sitting... Standing, walking, lying down, when um, moving one's limbs, when uh, eating, when defecating, when urinating, and and he, there's a little more to it, and he, and then he continues. He said, "Be mindful of the body while speaking and listening." And so for right now, I want you to be mindful of your body while you're listening. And I'll be mindful of my body while I'm speaking. And it's a little more complex than sitting silently and being mindful of your body and the breathing. But it's doable. And it's a, And if you build this capacity, if you build this muscle to be mindful of your body right now while there's some interaction it'll serve you 24 7 because we do a lot of speaking and listening as I'm sure you've all noticed in your lives anybody not speak or listen in their life (laughs) okay and 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 everybody always asks well how can I take this with me and I'm suggesting it's right here, and I'm going to continue to talk about the here but it's right here. It's just be mindful of your body. You don't have to think about it. Just feel the liveness that's sitting in your seat that is listening to me and comprehending me. And you can even think about it while you're being mindful of your body. You can be aware of your body while... The words are happening, and your reaction to the words are happening. So play with it right now. It's something I practice all the time. And I've done it for so long, mostly I don't even have to remember to do it. It just does itself, because I'm aware of the the liveness that is speaking or listening that's right here. So tonight, I'd like to talk a little bit, following up on Booker's beautiful talk on the hindrances last night, and and the group meetings that we had today, which were very touching, meaning they were felt, touched somatic touch, you feel things, and sometimes you feel them with your body, sometimes you feel them with your heart. And it's still the same word of being touched, because it's a very, um, it's not literally, physically, nobody touched me in the group, but the heart gets touched, and maybe it's the physical heart, but more it's the spiritual heart that gets touched. That we get touched by one another, by the human beingness of each person here. And really, you know, I have the privilege to sit up here and see you all, and especially the people who are new, who are first time and talk to you, and, and learning how to practice and just the beauty of your being here, of the heart that brought you here, of the good-heartedness that brought you here. And of course, the I'll tell you a little about the talk, which is the theme, was when Mark asked me to join this retreat, and then he was talking about the talks, and he asked me if I would talk about love. And... Uh, And I thought, sure, I'd be happy to talk about love because there's so much love here, whether it's seen or unseen. There is so much love here. And just really, as I'm thinking about it, just sitting in this space, this was created by love, right? The spirit rock was literally created by love. And the love came in the form of this tremendous generosity, this love of the Dharma, where people gave money, including maybe many of you or us, we all gave money, so that Spirit Rock could happen. And it's not, you notice when you drive into Spirit Rock, it doesn't say Spirit Rock Meditation Center, you know, donated by Nike right, right, or, you know, or Coca-Cola, you know, it's a Coca-Cola meditation center, you know, which, if you go to the sports things, which I do sometimes, you know, I go to what's called the Chase Center, right, which is where basketball is played, and it's like, Chase, who's Chase, what, where did he play, which team was Chase on, You know, Chase is a bank, or I think that's what Chase is. (laughs) You know, a credit card, a few things. Um, but, But what does that really have to do with the beauty of the sport that's happening and the magic and goodness and the dharma of the sport where people are giving their best, are dedicating their lives and their heart to whatever sport they've been practicing all their life? and then they're playing it and it's it's totally it's like meditation and meaning it's just a game they're not d- really doing anything serious are they like and I love I'm a big sports guy but I don't take it too seriously you know except when the warriors lose I take it seriously <laughs> but but actually not too seriously cuz it's a game And it's beautiful what they do and how they've developed their skills. And the samadhi that comes with any sport or any art, you really have, they are not thinking about what happened last week while they're playing the game. They're not thinking about, you know, three years from now, where am I going to be? All you do is you're right there, here, now. And that's what we're doing here. We're not really doing anything, as we've said, right? There's nothing to do except be here. And that's a fierce game in a certain way. It's an unfamiliar game for most of us. We haven't had many years of training in Little League and then in you know college and then in the semi-pros and you know, but, but you're, you're definitely in the semi-pros right now. For those of you who are new, this is semi-pro meditation center. <laughs> that's, that's new to me, even. I hadn't thought of that before. <laughs> uh, so when Mark asked me to talk about love, I thought about, and I do think, what do I love? And I love the Dharma. Really, I love the Dharma. And I could, I could talk about that probably for years. But also, when, and I was thinking that's what I was talking about, but you never know what the Dharma is going to do when you give yourself to the Dharma, which you're all learning how to give yourself to meditation, give yourself to the Dharma, give yourself to this moment of life with awareness. And um, uh, so I thought I would talk about loving the Dharma, but then I did the, I, I love, I love, right? So we're going to be talking about love, I'll tell you. I love the early morning sitting. It's my favorite sitting. It, almost everywhere I've sat, whether I'm teaching or or um, I'm sitting a retreat, I love the early morning sitting because... On retreat, I get up very early, and I'm here at, you know, I don't know, 4.30 in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning. Nobody's here, you know, or a couple people, but it's quiet, and it's sweet, and it's just, and it's just here. But even even at 6.45, yeah, I think that's when we sit this morning, um, I love that sitting, because none of the teachers are talking which is just the best for me, because I don't want to hear any more instructions. <laughs> I've heard a lot of instructions, and they're all good, but but I love the silence and the stillness and the hearness of... And it came to me, what do I love? What am I loving at 6.45, at 6.50, at 7? Seven, 7, no, no, six, four, 6.40, yes. No, no, it's... 6.15 is, thank you, so 6.15, 6.20, 6.30, 6.45, 6.50, I love the moment, I love this moment, and, and it's, it's true, I'm not just kidding or saying something that sounds good, I actually love the moment, and there's a reason why I love it, many reasons, although I don't need a reason to love it, I love it because it is, really. And when I say that, I mean, it's the only moment there actually is, is now, here. And so take a moment, just feel your aliveness this moment. And it's very helpful if you You want to feel yourself or sense yourself experientially because this is it. This is the only moment there is. Everything else is an idea, a belief, a memory, a fantasy. It's just this. And it's so, so, so simple that it's difficult. We're so used to been trained to attach to ideas, beliefs, what happened, what should happen, what we're going to do later, what we're going to do after we leave the retreat? anybody start thinking about that yet and telling everybody how great or horrible your retreat was? you can you know you can already plan it. but it takes you away from this moment now unless you're aware of thinking, And being aware that you're thinking about the future. Because you're not in the future. And you're not in the past. You're here. And what we're doing here, all the instructions we're giving about supporting you, and really all of you, each of you, to be here. Because this is your life. Now. This is it. I'm I'm somehow reminded of sometimes I'm asked to uh, you know I'm technically I'm a I'm a priest I guess I'm a I don't forget what they call us minister Minister, thank you (laughs) they call us a minister I'm not I'm not that identified with it believe me but but they call us so I can do marriages and I've done many marriages and I did a marriage for a good friend of mine who's also a teacher and a another tradition and his wife who's her own teacher and a whole nother thing. And I, and I, and we, and they got up there and they're looking and we're starting the ceremony and I just felt like this is it. Right. And that's what I said. It wasn't on what I planned to say. This is it because this is the moment they were getting married There'll be no other moment when they're getting married. They did all the planning and all they did all this future doing and they're going to remember it, but this is it. This moment they were actually becoming one in a certain way. And that's part of what we're learning how to do here is to get here and become one with what's alive here in a way that's skillful, that's kind and that's that supports awakening to see what's the truth of what's here in any moment mm. so if it's if this is it if it's all right here then what happens to you right now if you give yourself to that reality if you Become aware of what's here right now. Whatever it is that you're aware of, if you're not in your thoughts of the past or the future, what's here right now? And sometimes we like what's here. Sometimes we don't like what's here. Sometimes we think what's here is good. Sometimes we think what's here is bad. And those are all our opinions. You get to have your opinion about anything. But what's important is to coming closer, becoming aware, becoming more absorbed in what's actually here. Whether we like it or not, whether we want it or not, it's just a moment a moment of happiness, a moment of sadness, a moment of fear, a moment of feeling peace. Whatever the moment is, it's just a moment. And we, we usually we do an add-on. Oh, this is going to last forever. Oh, I'm in peace. I got it now. It'll, it, I'm going to be peaceful forever. Or I'm feeling sad. Get me out of here. This will never stop. Those are just ideas. Those are add ons to what's happening in the lived moment. And we want to keep getting closer, become more intimate with what's alive and happening here, and be aware of it with a heartfelt awareness, the loving awareness that Mark named the retreat. Mm. And yeah, so for myself, this morning I felt this. I felt the love of the magic of reality displaying itself here in what's called Eugene. And you know I wasn't always called Eugene. You all know that, don't you? Well, if you don't know that, I'm telling you. (laughs) (laughs) That I was born and... I was just me. And I remember my parents they they were looking and da, 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 and they kept saying oh, Eugene, Eugene this, Eugene that. And I was looking around, where's Eugene, you know? Cuz I wasn't Eugene. I was a living consciousness that was embodied and born. And I got a name. And it you know, it's a good name, good enough name, Eugene. You know, and I'm um keeping it for this lifetime, you know. At least as far as I know, things could change. People do change their names, but... Um, but what's here is much more interesting than the name of what's here, the idea of what's here, the lived reality of the consciousness that's embodied here. And I'm, of course I'm pointing at each of you, because... Because you're all embodied consciousness. And so part of what we learn to do here is to let go or relax and just be here right now with this moment of experience. And of course, one of the great um, mentors of people, uh, many people at Spirit Rock and in the world, wrote a very famous book, you know, some long time ago now, 70 years ago, something, Be Here Now, Be Here Now, right? That's the whole show, right? For spirituality, Be Here Now. Ram Das, who was, his original name was Richard Alpert. Yeah, I think that's right. And he was a, a therapist originally who worked with Timothy Leary. And He took a lot of acid, and he liked it. And, but he didn't want to have to keep taking it, so he started looking for a teacher and found a teacher in India. And then the teacher, all the teacher taught him about was love. That's what he got taught. And then he ended up this really kind of amazing being, uh, Ram Ramdas. Really, full of love, and people have been going. Did you go know see him in in Hawaii at all? No, yeah, a few of my friends went and saw him. I didn't see him, but- but he touched me anyways with his presence, even in his work, in his words, in his, and the little bit of video that I've seen of him. I mean he just he just loved because that was part of what it meant to wake up. And it's part of what it means for us to wake up here is for our hearts to begin to open and to be in touch with the love that brought us here. Mm. Um, So one of the things that Booker said that I really like, she talked about power. which I, I like power. I think power is kind of cool. And uh and it's interesting that spiritual powers that she was talking about, but it's interesting what the word pow- where the word power comes from. To me, it's interesting that it comes from the Latin. It means to be able. To be able to be here now is a power. And it's a kind of hidden power. We don't realize it's a power until we learn how to be here now. And then we start to see the power of presence. Actually, let me say it a little better. We, un- we start to understand the power of being present, which can lead to true presence, to the presence of heart and mind, to the presence of being to what's sometimes called our true nature or Buddha nature, which you could also call presence, which is not just our ego identity or our personality, but more the essence of who and what we are. And that is good, in my humble opinion, and sometimes less than humble opinion. Um, And I grew up a long time ago, meaning I'm still growing up, but uh, I grew up and I was around in the 60s and uh, got to see a beautiful American musician named Jimi Hendrix, who some of you may have seen or heard of. And he said a really interesting thing about power. He said, the power of love overcomes the love, w- when, when the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will be at peace. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's Deep Dharma from Jimmy who, you know, I grieve the fact that he left us so early because he was so brilliant in, in his being and what he gave to the world. So, so power, other people from other places, not musicians, other lineages, not artistic, also talked about power. And this is from somebody who really revolutionized our understanding of time and space and gravity and the universe. And a scientist said, when scientists look for a unified theory of the universe, When scientists looked for a unified theory of the universe, they forgot the most powerful unseen force. Love. Love is light that enlightens those who give and receive it. Love is gravity because it makes some people feel attracted to others. We get magnetized when we're in love, we just want to be with someone, we just want to know them, we just want to understand. we just want to see how close we can get to them. That's for romantic love, not for every love, but other loves too, where you just want to be close to people. So, And then he goes on, he says, love is power because it multiplies the best we have. Love is power because it multiplies the best we have, and allows humanity not to be extinguished in its blind selfishness. I mean, this is pure Dharma. And he goes on, he says, love unfolds and reveals. For love we live and we die. Love is God and God is love. From the hidden Buddhist teacher, Albert Einstein, Right? but really powerful coming from somebody who changed our whole understanding of reality and of how the universe works and what's happening in time and space and what he had to say about love and how important it was. And so it's easy in some ways for me to really love the moment, right? Because this is the only moment there is. And it's Everything is right here, right now. Our memories are our past. Our future isn't here. And, you know, and of course we have a house somewhere or an apartment or a place we live somewhere. But in the moment, all we are is right here. Everything else is an idea. Even if it's a true idea, it's still in the experiential reality that we're pointing at with meditation, that we're trying to support you in, coming more intimate with the experiential moment. Everything else is an idea. And we love our ideas, we love our thoughts, and we love that. But more important than loving them is loving being mindful of thinking instead of believing it. Because it's just a thought. And um, and we all think I don't know about all many of us think our thoughts are so great or so horrible, right? But we still think they're mine. Well, if they're yours, then stop thinking, right? Which anybody can anybody do that? So, what if they're not your thoughts? They may be the thoughts you're aware aware of, but if you're not wanting them and they do themselves, where do they come from experientially? And you can watch, you can be aware, you can observe, you can sit here and be mindful of thoughts happening, even though you don't want any of them to happen. They just do themselves. So, are they believable or not? Or maybe the better question is, do you want to believe those thoughts, or do you not want to believe those thoughts? Because if you don't believe them, they're just thought. They're not a thing. And of course, if if you really if you really want to really um, do an interesting thing with thoughts. You be mindful of my thoughts for one day and see what you think about that. Because believe me, you do not want my thoughts. (laughs) I don't even want a lot of my thoughts. (laughs) I mean, every once in a while I have a really good thought or a really interesting thought or a fun thought, but mostly they just do themselves, even if I would rather they were quiet. And so you could have almost all of my thoughts free, no charge, not even Donna, I'll give them to you, pure generosity. Uh, so, So, here's a question for you to reflect on. What do you love? What what's the love in your heart that brought you here? Right? Do you love freedom? Do you love peace? Do you love not suffering? Do you love being at ease? Do you love joy? Do you love equanimity? What what drew you here? and i'm asking it's cuz i believe even if it came through your mind it's also your heart is here your your good-heartedness is here nobody comes to meditation retreat who's not good-hearted really i just and i've taught a, a zillion meditation retreats and i've met people i don't like that doesn't matter there's still there's something in their heart that brought them here and there's something in your heart. And I want you to just reflect so you can start to be aware of the love that is part of your, the reason that you're sitting here in this moment. Right? And I was looking up the word love, and there are all these different variants. Love, like, care for, appreciate. It, it brings wonder, actually, love. it said in one of the dictionaries. Love brings wonder. And I I love the word because it helps me wonder what's happening now, but also the wonder that anything is happening now when I just sit down and do nothing. That all this stuff happens on its own. The thoughts happen on their own. Feelings happen on their own. Sounds happen on their own. Most sounds, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm making some right in the moment, but sometimes your body makes sounds all on its own, or the birds make their sounds, but you, we're not doing it. They're just happening. Hmm. So, or other variants of love means to be entranced by, meaning to come closer to, to be drawn towards the magnetism of, of love, right? And the magnetism of intimacy. And it's one of the things about love that I said, about when we love somebody, we want to be intimate. We want to be close with them. And so we, when we start to love the Dharma, we want to get intimate with each moment because that's where the juice is. That's where the goodness is. That's where the pleasure is. That's where the the magic of the Dharma starts to reveal itself right here, right where you're sitting. Mm. In the group today, um, somebody who was there uh, didn't want to talk, and it was it was very moving, touching. Because she said, I just love the silence. And silence is is powerful, it's potent. And she didn't want to talk. So I only had her talk a little bit. And then really appreciated how she'd gotten there. Because one of my friends, uh, a colleague in another tradition, Ajish Shanti, he said, to be intimate, to be intimate is to feel the silence and the space. Everything is happening in. To be intimate is to feel the silence, the space, the openness, the awareness that everything is happening in. And so it was beautiful to hear her talk about her loving the silence that came through trusting her somatic, energetic, kinesthetic experience of just being with her body and the breath. She had gotten very close, close, closer to it, and so there was just her being here and the silence that was here. Hmm. And it's part of the paradox of practice that we want you all to be aware of, which is that the Dharma, I meant to take a, bring some Dharma books in. We have all these great Dharma books, tombs and Dharma books from the Pali Canon and the Buddha said this, and the Buddha did this, and the Buddha stories and little stories and long stories and all this stuff. And it's, you know, it's good to look at once in a while. But, uh, but the whole Dharma is right here. The whole Dharma is right here, it's right where you're sitting. And really, I'm quoting one of my teacher's teacher, Munindraji, who used to say, the whole Dharma is sitting right here, and it's true. You know, everything in, in all those books, what those books are pointing at, is sitting right here, and this is where we discover it, is by your being present, and staying aware in the moment, giving yourself to the moment, devoting yourself, which is another word, subset word about love is devotion. Devote yourself to the moment for one day and see what happens can change your whole life. Even for, for a couple hours, if you really devote yourself just to the moment now, and be here, and get closer, and become intimate with your body and your breathing, can change your experience of reality really forever. The other nice little way of thinking about it, the whole Dharma's right here, is that this came from another tradition. I'm trying to remember who it's from, the Christian tradition. <sighs> if it comes to me, I'll tell you who said it, Uh, but they said, you are what you seek. You are what you seek. And that's such a beautiful understanding of what's sitting here. You are what you're looking for. You are why you're here. And so being here allows you to discover the truth of the dharma within you, the truth of your goodness, of your beauty, of your love, of your intelligence, of your wisdom, of your power, of of your, you know, of of the fullness of who and what you are. And I said I would say a little, some stories, and I have a lot of stories about me that are interesting sometimes. Um, I think I'll mm. well, I'll tell this one. Um, uh, here's how I came to the Dharma. I was telling Mark earlier, which I don't think he'd heard that before. Here's how I came to the Dharma. When I was a young man, I'd married, and then a couple years, divorced, heartbroken, literally heartbroken, and, and I didn't know what to do, and I just wanted to get out, just get me out of San Francisco, I just wanted to get out, and, uh, oh, I remember, here, I should tell you a little more of the detail, and somebody came to town who was a Yemenite Israeli, Yemenite by birth, Israeli, living in Israel, and we had a little affair. And I liked her. And I thought, I'm going to go see her. And uh, so this is after my marriage had ended. And I go to see her. And, you know, and it was totally wild. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> meaning, <laughs> meaning I'd never been around Yemenite people before. And I learned a lot. And it was beautiful and great. But, but what happened was, uh, and I'm Jewish, so I... So I was there for the High Holy Days. And on the, on the um, there's the, the Rosh Hashanah, the New Year, and then the Day of Atonement. And I went and did the services in these kind of Orthodox synagogues, which I hadn't done, but they had English-Hebrew, so I could follow along. And, uh, and you atone for your sins on the Day of Atonement. And the sin, there was one sin that caught my eye and popped out, literally like you see in cartoons where the words get bigger. You you um, you atone for the hardening of the heart. You atone for the hardening of the heart, and I realized my heart had hardened since my divorce and really the heartbreak of my marriage, and uh, and I was i was i was struck like okay that's that got me really cuz i got it and i didn't like that my heart had been harder hardened and then at some point later after i left this woman's village and i was in jerusalem and um i was i was at the what's called the wailing wall which is a very holy wall in judaism and you're supposed to go there and you pray there. And I'm not a big prayer, but okay, it's, an, it's ancient and it's holy. So I went there and you put your hands on the wall and you pray. And so I thought, okay, what do I, wanna, what do I want? I want what do, and the, so I asked, what do I need to do to unharden my heart? And I got an answer which, believe me, I did not expect. I mean, I'm at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, and I'm asking God to, you know, how do I unharden my heart? And I get an answer. And here's the really funny part, or at least I think it's funny. It's not the answer I wanted. Because <laughs> the answer was meditate. And I'm like, meditate? I was, I was a hipster, musician, hippie. I was like... I was not into meditating. I didn't care about meditating, and I was Jewish. Jews don't meditate, anyways, at least back then. And and uh, but that's what God said. So what are you going to do? You know, I mean, that much I knew. If you get a message at the Wailing Wall, <laughs> listen. Really, Now this is true. Totally true story. And so I got home, and and I didn't even. I had no idea where do you go meditate, and I. But but I did not one semi-spiritual person, which was my masseuse, <laughs> God bless her, and uh, said, where can I meditate? And She knew some guy, and she sent me to see him, and he was totally a new age guru, and I hated him, really, I hated him. I went there, and there were, you know, like 500 people in the room, and they were all clean shaved, and clean dressed, and... And I, I, well, I'm going to tell you this is personal again. But if you would have seen the bubble in my head of what I was thinking, because I was this real hipster, snotty kind of hipster um, before there were even punks. This was, and and uh, and I and I looked around at all these like clean-cut people with this guru kind of guy, and I thought, oh, these people have never gotten laid, you know. And that was my, you know, because they just didn't have any, any something juice in my opinion you know <laughs> anyhow so I and I and I went and I hated the guy and I hated his shtick and you know I, I don't need a goddamn guru and and I went home and I smoked some pot and because uh, I smoked pot back then this is when it was illegal and um and I started to play music because I played music but I smoked the pot and I started tripping and I knew the pot, and I knew the pot wasn't that good. And I thought, oh, if this guy had an effect on my pot, I'll go back, even <laughs> though I didn't like it. This is, this is a totally true story. <laughs> and so I went back the next week, and same thing. I hated him, I hated the scene, I didn't, I didn't like it. Okay, get me out of here, go home, smoke the pot. Same pot, nothing happened. <laughs> No, no, like, really, I didn't even get high this time. So now I got really intrigued and curious, and I went back, and the next time, things started to happen in the room with that guy, and changed my life. And I spent about eight months or a year with him until he kicked me out of his group, and which was good. And then I got to Buddhism, because I liked meditating. But, but when I'm talking about, what I want to say is, When we get really present, we don't know what's going to happen. We never know. We never really know what's going to happen in the next moment. So why not be here now? Hmm. Hmm. I have all kinds of definitions of the word love, which you don't need to hear, except that... uh, thesaurus their subsets of love are tenderness or affection or warmth or intimacy or devotion or ardor great word ardor or or desire, or yearning, or enjoyment, or appreciation—these are all forms of love. And I'm mentioning them to you because I want you to recognize them. Because you all have these feelings of goodwill, or, or, or um, you know, feeling warmth towards somebody, or, or to yourself, or tenderness, or some benevolence, or compassion. Right? And when the heart's open, then it begins to function from love, right? And I don't know if any of you have felt it, but I, I love walking around Spirit Rock and I love walking in the hills And just nature and the love of the earth, and it's not even the love of the earth. We have to save it or take care of it. Or it's just loving the liveness that's here, just the the plants and the trees and the flowers and the weeds and the leaves on the ground and the colors and the shapes and the space and the. The aliveness of the earth itself is lovable. And so the love comes, and even if you just like it, remember that's a form of love. So I'm saying all this because I want you to become aware of your own heartfelt love that is right here. That's right here. Mm. And... uh, Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at the timing because I want to go over time right mm. keep sensing your body while you're listening while I'm pausing hmm So i'm gonna keep going, but i'm i'm not i do have another good Eugene story that's very interesting, which was about my near death experience, but I don't think it's the right thing right now, even though it's a, it's it's good it's i'll <laughs> I'll do the very quick okay I'm getting some okay, here's the quick version. So I have a. I'm on the Buddhist bike pilgrimage, which I've done before. Well, I didn't really want to do it, but they call me and ask me because I'm a teacher, and it's good for me to you know help be there and support the pilgrimage. We do it. We go up, and then we go up from here north to Bayagiri Monastery. And there's one place where there's. They keep saying, "Oh yeah, it's a big uphill," and then you know, and then you go down. But but what's always fool me and I'd done it before was the uphill wasn't big it was easy the downhill was big and so I did the uphill again I forget I'd forgotten it wasn't a big uphill and same thing so I'm really and I'm fast anyways on the uphills because I'm very light you know I'm small and and I'm good at biking or I was good and so I went up coming down very fast The bike had a shimmy, lost control, boom, brain injury, helmet on, all that stuff. Five weeks in the hospital, five weeks in three different hospitals. The first week, they didn't know if I would live or not. And, you know, and it was not clear, that's all. And my, you know, beloved wife and my daughter came back from New York and people cared for me and I was really cared for and I received, as I told you, a lot of metta from both my family and from many people, some, maybe some of you. Sometimes if I tell this story on retreat, people said, oh yeah, I remember, I sent you love and and good wishes and, and it, it saved my life. But what was interesting was I got totally unplugged with the brain injury. Like, seriously. I, w- I was like a baby at first. And could barely... I mean, people came. Were you there, Mark? Were you in the hospital? Yeah. And they would come and they would say, do you know who this person is? And I would or I wouldn't, but... Uh, you know. And, and the doctors would ask me a question. They'd say, do you know where you are? And I knew where I was. I would say, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> that's all i knew i mean really but this is true and of course it wasn't funny then but it was true but people have a lot of stories who heard what i said because i said some really good things even though i was totally unplugged in other words my brain and my usual eugene self-reflective identity wasn't there and so and i came home and and then it and recovery took really Many years, but slowly, just at the beginning, I came home five weeks after five weeks in the hospital, and I and I get home and I'm, I can barely walk up the steps of my home, really, because everything's been unplugged, and uh, and uh, and I'm at home, and my wife's bless her, caring for me, and I go to my meditation room and I see the cushion. And I know what it is, but I don't know how to meditate. And this is, this is almost 30, after 27 years of meditation, I don't know how to meditate. Something like that. I mean, and I was a good meditator. I'd done a lot of deep meditation. And I didn't know how. I, all I knew was you sit on that. That much I got. And after a couple of days, I sat down on the cushion. And I didn't know what what to do. I didn't know. Oh, you follow your breath. Or you, I mean, it just because my brain wasn't still reactivated. And here, just so you know, you don't lose anything in my kind of injury, but the connection to what you know isn't there. Something like that. That's how I understand it. And because everything comes back, but more well, And but it's not. Come, it doesn't come back to the same person who lost it in the accident. It comes back to what's here now, which is not that person. And um, and um, and so I, I knew you said, so after a day or two, I sat down on the cushion, and I sat there for a while, and I had no idea what to do, and then I got up, and all I knew, and this was not, all I knew was, I looked back at the kitchen cushion and I knew it was good to sit. And I, I, there was no reason why. I had no cognitive facility to say, oh, it was good because of this or because of that. I just knew it was good. And the knowing was an intuitive, heartfelt, belly-felt knowing. It's good to sit. And then I sat every day for the next year. And slowly I learned how to meditate again. But it didn't matter that I didn't know how to meditate. It was still good just to sit. And so, even when you don't know what's happening, don't judge your meditation. Something good is here, and you are it. You are what is good. The goodness is sitting in your seat. Mm. And then just because of time, I'll end with um, something. Mm. Well, I'll end with the Buddha from the Samyutta Nikaya, one of the beautiful books of the Pali Canon. The Buddha said, it is in this way that we must train ourselves. And I believe I said that, that this is a training meditation. We're training ourselves to be present in this moment, with this breath, with this body, with this heart, with this mind, with this awareness. Buddha said it is in this way we must train ourselves, by liberation of the self through love. A liberation of the self through love. We will develop love. We will practice it. We will make it both a way and a basis. Take our stand upon it. Store it up. And thoroughly set it going. So let's sit for a moment before we end. And sit means be very relaxed. You don't have to sit formally. You can can if you want, but you you can just relax and be aware of what's here right now in this moment. Feel your body. Be aware that as long as your body's alive, it's breathing now. Give yourself to the moment and see what the Dharma gives to you. Feel free to go out before I'm done because I'll be slow getting out of here. So you, you can leave now. Thank you all.